the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses, or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob Fretz. And a good morning to you. Seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock. And we're underway on a Thursday. Not just any Thursday. I always give you the date. Just to remind you that we are in the year of our Lord. I always like to do that, and today it's a it's a special date. It's a holy date if you are a part of the American left. It is a date to memorialize. It is a date that shall live in infamy, the 6th of January. Of course, we are now at the one-year anniversary of the 6th of January 2021 and the capital breach that has been in a purely politically partisan manner called an insurrection at the United States Capitol. But we are here on the sixth morning of the first month of the year of our Lord 2022. And this is what they are going to focus on from sunup to sundown. It's going to be all about the evils of Donald Trump, the evils of Trump supporters, and how they, the violent extremist right, threatened democracy itself on January 6th of 2021. That they literally committed an assault and attempted coup to overthrow the government. That's what an insurrection is. And that a bunch of old ladies and old men, which is the vast majority of the people that were in that crowd of over a million people, 
that they brought their walkers and their canes and their flags and their rosaries as weapons to try to overthrow the government to stop the certification of the election of Joe Biden. They were going to do it at any cost. And you know they had plans, of course, to rape Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. They had plans to hang Mike Pence. Probably were going to use those rosaries. That's probably what they would have used for nooses. I cannot overstate the insanity of the reaction to a riot, which was indeed a riot. I called it a riot at the time. Not only did I call it a riot at the time, I called for those who were committing violence on the way into the building, which was a very select few, by the way. I called for them to be arrested and charged, appropriately, of course. I called for those who just went in and trespassed to have to pay fines for trespassing. Those who didn't commit violent acts, didn't steal, didn't vandalize, didn't attack anyone. Just walked in an open side of the building where some of the January 6th protesters who went over to the Capitol described walking into the building as if they were walking between velvet ropes, escorted by police. Some of them even asked the police officers as they walked in, is this okay? Am I going to get in trouble for this? And the police officers said, go right ahead. Because there was no violence. There was violence on one side of the Capitol, obviously. Those are the concerns. But there were hundreds of people who committed no violent acts, no vandalism, and who walked in, took some pictures, and said that was kind of cool, and walked out. And this is what the left is clinging to. This is what the left has chosen to weaponize in an attempt to thwart the red wave, in an attempt to stem the tide of the conservative Republican wave that it's on its way to Washington, D.C., and really, quite frankly, to all 50 states, coming up in just 11 short months. They are terrified. They know. They know what's coming, and the only hope that they have to try to stop it is to paint over the course through a bogus, fraudulent, pseudo, non-select committee called the January 6th Select Committee, run by Nancy Pelosi, over the course of the next several months to try to paint the Republican Party as extremist, the Trump supporters who would be the same supporters for the Republican candidates for Congress and uh, for the House and for the Senate, which, of course, they are trying so desperately to cling to on the Democrat side to paint them all as extremists. It's the only hope they have. Well, it's one of two hopes that they have. The first hope is to, yes, try to paint uh, all of the Republican candidates for Congress as extreme for governor, various gubernatorial races all around the country, to paint them as extremists and thus people who should not be in, in, uh, in power. The other one, of course, is to cheat. They're good at that one. In 2020, they weaponized the virus. They weaponized the pandemic and found a way to cheat the system.
through universal mail-in balloting, through unmonitored drop boxes, through ballot harvesting, through undated, unpostmarked uh, ballots that came in the mail that were counted four, five, six days after the election. No postmarks, no signatures, no nothing. Too bad. Count it. Through all kinds of irregularities and outright fraud captured on video. Nope. Count it. 71 different judges. 71 different judges heard complaints filed by people on behalf of President Trump alleging the election fraud and irregularities, and 71 different judges said, we don't want to hear it. Mind you, that part is very important. The left will tell you that the big lie, as they like to call it, and that's Donald Trump's big lie that the election was stolen from him, they like to point to the fact that 71 different uh, lawsuits uh, you lost. Trump and his team lost 71 different lawsuits alleging that the election was fraudulent. Clearly, they have no leg to stand on. They've lost at every turn. The reality is 71 different judges refused to hear evidence, refused to call or allow to be called witnesses, just kicked everything out on its face based on standing most of the time and other procedural uh, reasons. Now, I don't want to dig too deep into the minutia of what happened in the theft of the of the 2020 election, except to say that they weaponized COVID-19 in order to steal it. Without all of the previously unheard of measures that were taken, the unprecedented mail-in balloting, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. without all of that, Donald Trump, who had guided the country to three plus years, three and a half years of extraordinary economic prosperity, national security, national sovereignty, record low unemployment. I can go on and on and on about all of the tremendous successes. Three and a half years of tremendous success undone by a year of COVID-19 and national lockdowns, or actually state-by-state lockdowns that grinded the uh, economy to a halt that put everybody in fear, locked everybody up, closed schools, and they put it all at the feet of Donald Trump. They weaponized COVID-19 to stop a man that they would not have been able to stop otherwise. Now, in 2022, when the pendulum is set to swing in the other direction, as it almost always does, as it almost always does in a new president's first midterm election, The pendulum swings in the other direction in the favor of the minority party, the party that is not in power in the White House or in the Congress. So just historically, this is going to be a massive, massive win for the Republican Party this year. But given the fact that what we have witnessed in the first 12 months of this particular president's rule given the fact that the country has fallen to hell and everybody knows it, to to a point where college kids who typically are being indoctrinated into leftist think are going to college football games and chanting, 
blank Joe Biden. And no, they're not saying, let's go, Brandon. They're saying, blank Joe Biden. And they did it for months on college campuses of all places, but also at Major League Baseball games, also at professional football games, hockey games, NASCAR races, gatherings in which Joe Biden attends to survey tornado damage, blank Joe Biden, because it's been that bad. So history tells us the pendulum was going to swing in the Republicans' favor this year anyway in the midterms. But the current status, the current state of things on the ground, current events indicate that it's going to be even bigger than a red wave. It's going to be a tsunami. And the effects of it are going to be felt for years and years to come as the Republicans sweep into a massive majority in the House and a solid majority in the Senate, effectively neutering Joe Biden's last two years of his presidency. So what are they going to do this time? They weaponized COVID-19 in 2020. What do they weaponize in 2022? The answer is January 6th. And that's why today... Wall-to-wall-to-wall-to-wall coverage of all of the hand-wringing and all of the tales of all of the liberal Democrats who are going to claim when they weren't even in the Capitol building at the time that they were terrified they were going to be hung, raped, uh, have their staffs killed, and all of these things by a bunch of unarmed, almost all old people. They're going to weaponize January 6th as proof that extremist Republicans, right-wingers, are too dangerous to put into power. And they're going to use it. They're going to use it as their number one option to try to stop that red tsunami. Their second option, as I said before, will be to cheat. Chuck Schumer is talking already about blowing up the filibuster so that they can usher in universal mail-in voting at the federal level along with every other every other stipulation that they can find to federalize the vote and take voting rights away from the states so that the states that are requiring actual voter identification and doing what they can to counter voter fraud will have their rules undercut by a federal election standard. He knows he cannot get 66 votes in the Senate to do it, so he's going to try to blow up the filibuster to make it a simple majority. Then trying to convince Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, two holdouts, that now is the time. It's the only way to stop the red tsunami is to change the vote, undo 250 years of American voting policy and federalize the vote. January 6th and blowing up the filibuster, the two strategies they have to stop the red tsunami. And it starts today. Last night, I watched a movie that I would highly recommend that you watch.
It's called Capital Punishment. Cost ten bucks to stream it. If you go to capitalpunishmentthemovie.com. Capital is not as in capital C A P I T A A L, it's O L as in the Capital, and it's about the punishment of the people who were part of the protest that turned into a riot. Which, by the way, was not domestic terrorism, nor was it an insurrection, nor was it a coup, an attempted overthrow of government. But it was a riot. Capital Punishment is a movie made by actor and filmmaker Nick Searcy. And it is an extraordinary look at everything from the ground in Washington, D.C. that day. Some incredible footage. Interviews with people who were right there, first-hand witnesses to the scene, who are going to tell you the truth about what they did, what they saw, and what they heard. Rather than you getting it from ABC or NBC or CNN. It's a tremendous look. Like I said, it'll cost you 10 bucks, but so what? You'll, you'll spend 12 bucks a ticket to go to see a movie in the theater. Maybe 13 maybe 14 now the whole family can gather around for 10 bucks and watch Capital Punishment. But if you haven't seen it yet, I've got good news for you. Coming up at 10.10 this morning, Nick Searcy, the filmmaker who put Capital Punishment together, um, a, a rare Hollywood conservative, he will be joining me to talk about the realities of January 6th and the 12 months of incarceration since for so many still being held Without trials, they, the Constitution guarantees someone accused of a crime a right to a speedy trial. They have held these people, many of them in isolation, for a year and not charged them and not brought them to trial. It's unconscionable. We're going to talk about that with Nick Searcy coming up at 1010. By the way, since it's Thursday, 1010 is normally Dr. Everett Piper time. Dr. Piper has been kind and gracious enough to uh, adjust his schedule for us, and he will be with me coming up in about 15 minutes, maybe a little bit less, at about 9.35. So Dr. Piper at 9.35, Nick Searcy, filmmaker, on January 6th at 10, uh, 10.10. And I welcome you anytime you're ready, 216-901-0945. This is AM 1420, The Answer, and we are always right. We'll be right back. Stupidity of the left hurts. Oh, God, I hurt a little, but I'm all right. Always right with Bob France. Oh, God, I felt good. Yeah. On AM 1412, the answer. Do not be confused. Always right on AM 1420, the answer. And you can take that how you will. Hey, quick note on social media. I have joined Getter. Uh, Getter is a social media app. That is uh, somewhat similar in function to Twitter, but it is one that does not censor your thoughts if you are a conservative or if you are a liberal. In other words, it's a, it's a, it's a um, social media app that believes in free speech and believes in everyone being able to have their conversation there. It's uh, so far so good. Um, I just joined it yesterday. I started making some posts. I got a bunch of people following. I'm following a bunch of other people. If you are a social media user... And you are like me. I, I deleted my Twitter account two years ago, even before they banned Donald Trump and before they banned Marjorie Taylor Greene. But um, if you're a social media user, 
Uh, let's engage with one another there. Follow me on Getter. If you don't know what Getter is, you can look on your app store, G-E-T-T-R, G-E-T-T-R, Getter. Lots of prominent conservatives have found their way over to Getter, escaping the censorship and the suppression of uh, Twitter and the traditional social medias that we know, or, or platforms that we know. By the way, um, Joe Biden is apparently giving a speech. Uh, not sure if it has started. It probably has. I'm not going to pay attention to it, quite frankly, because I think it's ridiculous. But the notes, according to the press, um, on Joe Biden's speech is that he's going to call out Donald Trump and warn of threats to democracy in marking the one-year anniversary of the January 6th riot, pro- protester and riot uh, at the Capitol building. So clearly he's going to blame Donald Trump in the same way they tried to um, by impeaching him for incitement to insurrection, if you recall, trying to claim that his speech uh, on uh, January 6th uh, excuse me, <clears throat> encouraged and inspired uh, some of the crowd, some of the million-plus people who were there, to go and attack the Capitol. And so because they're going to do that, uh, because Biden and Kamala Harris and Pelosi are going to spend all day long blaming Donald Trump and his supporters on that, I would like to um, just remind everybody of exactly what Donald Trump said at that speech in Washington by the Washington Monument uh, one year ago today. We're going to walk down to the Capitol and we're going to cheer on our brave senators and congressmen and women. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Cheer on our brave senators. Cheer on our brave congresspeople. Peacefully and patriotically make our voices heard. That's all January 6th was supposed to be, the day that they certified the election. Go down there, form a crowd, be loud, and cheer on our senators. Senator Ted Cruz and Senator Josh Hawley that day were actually doing the president's work they were calling for a 10-day audit of each state's election results to make sure that everything was on the up and up that's all they were doing asking for 10 days which is not unprecedented and donald trump knew what they were doing which is why he said let's go cheer them on He didn't say, let's go tear it down and stop the proceedings, because the proceedings were benefiting him to get a 10-day audit, a delay on the certification until January 16th, until an audit can be conducted, peacefully and patriotically. Let's go make our voices heard and cheer on our senators, which has been a hallmark of American democracy. It's not an attack. On American democracy, people gather by the thousands, sometimes the millions, in Washington, D.C. to make their voices heard. And now they're turning it into the worst attack on democracy, the worst attack on the government since the Civil War. And that's what they're going to try to do all day today. I'm going to bring you the truth. I'll bring it with Dr. Piper in a few minutes, and we'll bring it with Nick Searcy. He'll be joining me at about 10.05 this morning to talk about his film, Capital Punishment and the truth that the left-wing media does not want you to have about January 6th. 
All of that coming up next. AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 937. We continue on this Thursday edition. Thanks so much for being with us. We're supposed to talk to Dr. Everett Piper now, half an hour early, uh, the, earlier than normal, uh, but we're having a hard time making that connection with him. Uh, he is in central time zone. Of course, he is in Oklahoma, so there may be an issue there, uh, but we'll try to make that happen as soon as we possibly can. The reason we bumped him from his 1010 spot is coming up at 1010 this morning, maybe 1005 actually. We're going to get on as quickly as we can. Uh, we're going to talk to Nick Searcy. Uh, Hollywood actor, filmmaker, and uh, conservative. One of the very few who is willing to call himself such. Uh, and uh, he has a film out now called Capital Punishment that I watched last night. I had watched the trailers, several of them, and short snippets of the movie talking to individuals um, who were on the ground that day, who were in Washington at the Capitol at President Trump's speech on January 6th. And all it did was whet my appetite to uh, be able to see uh, the full movie, which I did last night. And I was so very fortunate to be able to get Nick Searcy on this morning. He'll be with us at 10.05 to talk about what he saw. And I'm going to tell you something. One of my observations from that movie, um, it, and it's very important to me, um, is the reality that the attack on the Capitol, such as it is, and again, there was a riot at the Capitol, I do not believe it was provoked and started in any way by true Trump supporters. After watching this film, I firmly believe that the agents provocateur, that the those provoking the um, the uh, you know the the breaching of the Capitol were indeed the Antifa members, and in some cases. Even feds, FBI agents, or um, supporters who have been found on camera urging everybody to go inside, to break it down, to burn it down. And all of this was going on while President Trump was still speaking. Now, why am I emphasizing that so much and giving you that dramatic pause? There's a reason. The January 6th Select Committee is blaming Donald Trump for inciting people to insurrection and inciting that violence and that vandalism at the Capitol. They claim that Trump told everybody to go down there and let's do this. The Democrat-led House impeached him and sent him to a to a trial on the Senate side for the same reason, claiming an incitement to insurrection. What you would see in that movie, and what I will talk to Nick Searcy about, is the truth. It was a good 15 to 20 minute walk from the site of the, um, I mean, literally, there was probably over a million people there listening to Donald Trump speak. It's a good 20-minute walk at a brisk pace, 15 to 20 at a brisk pace, because it's a little over a mile to get from there to the Capitol. But with the hordes of people, 
It was taking at least 45 minutes to walk from from the site of the speech to the Capitol. Because people were shoulder to shoulder, and there was it was just a massive crowd. Yet the timeline of the, the, the assault on the Capitol shows that it began long before anybody could have made that walk. Anybody who was listening to Donald Trump, and then according to the narrative, following his orders to go down to the Capitol, would never have made it there and didn't make it there um, until after everything had already started. This attack on the Capitol, I firmly believe after seeing the evidence in the documentary put together, which, by the way, is also very funny. Nick Searcy brings a little bit of humor to it by putting himself in the situation. But the evidence that I have seen and what I have read, um, the the assault on the Capitol was absolutely started by um, Antifa slash other leftist organizations, I will just frame it that way, and it was encouraged by at least one federal officer who was on camera encouraging everyone to break the law. His name is Ray Epps. He was on the FBI's website of the list of individuals that they were seeking because of their roles in this. Then suddenly, his name disappeared. He has not been charged. He is not considered one of the insurrectionists, as they call them. Yet he is on camera being the most vocal about getting inside and tearing it down of anybody that that was there. That's the reality. Another individual by the name of John Sullivan, an acknowledged and admitted BLM organizer, Black Lives Matter organizer, is also on video, which you can see in that movie, provoking the crowd to not just go in, but to burn the Capitol down. Let's go. Let's go, everybody. we got to get in there and tear it apart. we got to burn it down. we got to burn it down. He told the crowd, go break in. Then, when it actually happened, he was inside with his girlfriend, another radical, and they're on camera celebrating their success. They're on camera talking about, I can't believe we did it. I can't believe we did it. I can't believe we got him to do it. I can't believe that it worked. They were celebrating that they got away with talking people into going inside and breaking the law. This individual is also not being uh, charged. So there, there's, and I, and I won't even begin to, to get into the issue of the death of Ashley Babbitt. I won't even begin. There is a significant portion of the film, probably in the last 20 minutes, of, it's about an hour and a half documentary film, there's a significant portion of it dedicated to the death of Ashley Babbitt. And what the left is doing and continues to do now to desecrate the memory of Ashley Babbitt is the ultimate in victim shaming. It's the ultimate in victim blaming. Ashley Babbitt was a white woman who was protesting there in support of President Trump, protesting the theft of the election. She did go to the Capitol, and she was one of many, many, many people who tried to go through a door to get into the Capitol uh, after everything was broken open. 
Not saying she was right to try to trespass. Not saying any of them were right to try to trespass, and certainly not to break any windows or smash any doors down, which they were encouraged to do. But, regardless of what she did in her efforts to walk through that door and climb through that door and get into that building, she was attacking no one. She was brandishing no weapons. She was resisting no arrest. She was doing nothing except trying to enter the building. And she was shot in the throat by a Capitol Hill police officer. And she was killed. And that police officer's name was kept buried. Buried. For ten months after the event. People didn't find out who he was until late summer of last year. Why? Why was this particular police officer protected, and why was Ashley Babbitt not rightfully heralded as a victim of police violence, unnecessary and illegal use of force, the way so many others who are championed by BLM are? Why? And the answer is, of course, is because Ashley Babbitt had white skin and a red hat. And if you've got white skin and a red hat, and you get shot by a cop, you deserved it. We all know what that red hat means. A white female was unarmed, not resisting, not attacking, not even fleeing, was shot in the throat. And no one cared. Had she been an African-American wearing a BLM t-shirt or hat instead of a red hat shot by a police officer of any color, unarmed, going into protest and make her voice heard, the entire country would have burned, not just portions of Washington the entire country would have burned. But that's okay. And we're not supposed to focus on that. We're supposed to victim blame and victim shame now Ashley Babbitt and and herald the police officer who shot her uh, as a hero. You didn't even know his name. I can't even remember his name. But you know the name Derek Chauvin, don't you? You know the names of a lot of police officers who were involved in controversial shootings. But you don't know this one. I find that very, very um, curious. We'll call it curious. So they are turning January 6th again into something that it was not. They're turning it into some sort of attempted coup. They're turning it into an attack on democracy. They're turning it into an insurrection. It was none of those things, and we're going to do everything we can to counter that false narrative as we continue on Always Right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Right back. Welcome back to Always Right with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 9.51, as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Let's, uh, again, we were supposed to talk to Dr. Everett Piper. I think there was a time zone thing. Uh, I think he thought it was going to be 9.35 East, or uh, Central Time, rather, not, not Eastern Time, as he is, of course, in Oklahoma. Uh, so let's go to the phones instead. 216-901-0945, 888-281-1110. How should we be remembering 
or commemorating in whatever way um, the January 6th capital breach of a year ago. The left calls it a capital insurrection and an attack on democracy. I don't believe it was either of those things. It was certainly not an attempted coup to overthrow the government. But how should we remember this? It was bad. There were terrible things that happened. There were assaults, and there were there was vandalism, and there was some theft. I said at the time, and I stand by it, those people should have been arrested and were, and should have been treated, by the way, fairly according to the law. They should not be held for a year without trial. They should not be held in isola- uh, isolation as if they were some sort of mass murderers or serial killers that were just discovered and just arrested. They shouldn't have to, to be treated that way, but they should be treated according to the law. So it was a bad thing, but it is, is it on the scale of 9-11? Is it on the scale of the Civil War, which is what the left has been ch- screaming about? How do you think, what do you think of it? How should it be uh, commemorated? Uh, I want to go to Derek, who's in Richfield. Derek, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning. Go right ahead. Hey, morning, Bob. Thank you. Um, so under the Obama administration, there was a, a bill passed. It was called the the Enemy Expatriation Act. And it was um, one of those bills with that, again, that same kind of broad language that could basically label define anyone as a terrorist and basically strip them of the U.S. citizenship. And, um, you know, of course, they're... Uh, any of their Fifth Amendment rights, all of that. And I wonder if, if you knew about that and, you know, if, if this ties into, you know, how these, you know, how people are being detained, you know, without any trial, any jury, anything. Um, not terribly familiar with that, no. And my guess is it is probably not actually in force and it's probably not being used here or else we would know. In other words, everybody who's writing about this at the Federalist, everybody's writing about it at the New York Post and even perhaps those on the left would be congratulating Barack Obama for this, uh, Obama era, uh, you know, law and rule that is le- allowing them to treat these people without their constitutional rights. Um, I think everybody would hear that by now, and we would be debating the, you know, the ethics of such a, you know, such a law and uh, and such treatment of people who who have a right to due process and they have a right to a speedy trial, constitutional rights that, again, unless they have been stripped away, uh, they are entitled to. And I think if they were stripped away by anything from that era, we would know it. Yeah, yeah, just um, yeah, I remember that bill was I think it was tied in with the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, at the time. But um, mm-hmm. but then just uh, one more follow up if I have a moment. Sure. Um, sure. So, uh, yeah, who? And of course, now the name slipped me. But you just were mentioning um, that uh, that activist who he got he you know him and his girlfriend when they're filming. John um, Sullivan. You know, they got the. Yeah, that's right, Sullivan. And and I remember even Rush talking about that too at the time. And but actually. I did hear that he, and he sold that video to CNN. I thought he got $90,000 or something for it. But I heard something about that, too. That, wasn't, that part wasn't covered in the movie that I watched last night, but I, that does sound familiar, that he did sell and profit off of that, uh, out of, off of his provoking and encouraging of the, of the law-breaking. Right, and, but, actually, but the follow-up with that is that he, he got the money, but I had heard, uh, I had read a, uh, an article where, now I think that actually the money, I, I don't know if it was, if it was the FBI or, um, what agency, what law enforcement agency, but they actually did basically um, go in, get that money, stop that, and get the money from him. But it was just something, yeah, it just reminded me, you know, listening to all this again. 
Well, I remember when he was inside. The other thing he was doing too is he was being arrested, or you know, they were they were coming for him. He was saying, "I'm just here. I'm just I'm just documenting this. I'm a filmmaker. I'm documenting this. I'm not doing anything." He was trying to essentially avoid his own responsibility and culpability for encouraging, you know, the 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 people to break the law. And then he wanted to say, "Oh no, I was just documenting. That's the only reason I'm in here because he did go in, which makes him just as guilty of you know of of breaching the Capitol, going in, uh, trespassing, and so forth uh, as anybody." else but uh but that's not how he was treated in the end and that's the big part of and thanks for the call i appreciate that derek that's that's a big part of this story you know ray epps was not charged ray epps is just living his life and he's on camera as one of the loudest voices pretending to be one of the trump supporters that was at the rally listening to the speech and was there as he encouraged people who were standing around him and looking at him like slack-jawed if you've seen any of that video, Tucker has had some of that on with Ray Epps uh, on his program. You know, not interviewing, but some of the video, and it's in the movie. <laughs> excuse me, Capital Punishment by Nick Cersei. If you've seen that, I mean, the people standing around him are like, "What? Like, what are you talking about?" As he said, "Let's go. We've got to go inside. We've got to get in there." Ray Epps has not been charged. Ray Epps' name, it was removed from the FBI database of other individuals wanted in connection with the crimes committed on January 6th. Ray Epps isn't one of them. How? Why? He was clearly one of the loudest, um, you know, uh, uh, leaders, if you will, of the breaching of the Capitol. And people are standing around him looking at him like, no, we can't do that. What are you talking about? And that's when they started yelling, Fed, Fed, he's trying to set us up. And the sad truth of the matter is, unfortunately, he was successful, as were others who were setting people up to go in and break the law and thus be branded uh, a right-wing Trump-supporting extremist who broke the law and attacked democracy. There was so much being set up on that day. And that's why we're going to talk to Nick Searcy coming up after the top of the hour, by the way. Okay, Chuck is in uh, North Ridgeville. Hi, Chuck, go ahead. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, sir. Good show. Thank you. Uh, I was down there on January 6th, and this should be a holiday for all true patriots. I was a bus monitor for seven buses. We had three from Midway Mall. We picked up a couple more in the Bedford off Rockside Road and a couple more outside of uh, Warren, and we got in there about 10 o'clock. Uh, I have to say that was by far the most courteous, disciplined, wonderful polite group of two to three million people I have ever seen in my life. There was, it was festive. We were having fun and we waited for a long time for the president to come on. He was supposed to be there at noon. He got there, of course, at 1230. At one o'clock, we had had enough about hearing the same thing over and over. So, yes, if the president instigated anyone to go to the Capitol, it was because of boredom. So at one, we all walked down to the Capitol, and everywhere I put my camera, I've got a couple hours of film on this, it, all you saw was people. And interesting, even to this day, I searched and searched, and if you can find something, please let me know. Mm-hmm. I cannot find an aerial shot of all the people down there. It's the only time there was any engagement at the Capitol that there is not an aerial shot to be found. They have clamped down on any information about this. And yes, Ashley Babbitt was murdered in cold blood. 
by a shot from Lieutenant Michael Lee Roy Bird, a black police, uh, uh, a Capitol policeman. It was murder. It was the only murder there that day. And all this has been hushed up. You're you're a thousand percent right. Every word you just said. I've not seen aerial shots of the uh, Capitol either. I, there are aerial shots of President Trump's speech in the crowd around him, which was just astounding. Uh, and the, they were included in that movie. But to see aerial and thank you for the call, my friend from um, uh, from above on the uh, uh, of the Capitol as things were going on. You're right. So much of that has been shut down because they don't want everybody to see the other side. One side of that building, yes, there was the breaking of the windows and the smashing of the doors to get in. And on the other side, it was like a a red carpet rolled out as people strolled in casually and went inside and took pictures and so on and so forth. And these people, many of them, a lot of people saw that red carpet roll out. And you'll see this in the movie if you watch Capital Punishment. A lot of people saw that red carpet roll out and said, no way. That's a setup. If we walk in there right now, we're going to get grabbed. We're going to get arrested. And some of them chose not to go in and got arrested anyway. And I'll tell you about what has happened to them in the last 12 months when we talk to Nick Searcy. That'll be coming up next on AM 1420 The Answer. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.